You're listening to the Aromatic Wisdom Podcast with Liz Fulcher. That's me. And this is episode 50. I'm halfway to 100. Today's topic is all about children and their fears at night. And I'll be sharing a number of tools, both aromatic and non-aromatic, that you can use with the child to help them settle down, get back to sleep while feeling safe. You're listening to the Aromatic Wisdom Podcast with your host, Liz Fulcher. If you're interested in learning about essential oils, hearing interviews with industry experts, and discovering ways to grow your own aromatherapy business, this is the podcast for you. For more information and show notes, visit the website at aromaticwisdominstitute.com. Now sit back, relax, take a deep breath, and enjoy as Liz shares a dose of aromatic wisdom. Hi, friends. Welcome to the podcast. If this is your first time listening, thank you so much for giving the podcast a try. I do hope you enjoy it and come back. And if you're returning and you're one of my wonderful loyal listeners, thank you so much for being here and making the podcast what it is today. When you go to my website to the podcast page, there's actually a place where you can buy me a coffee, and that helps to offset the cost of doing the podcast, aromaticwisdompodcast.com. Okay, let's talk about today's topic, little kids and nighttime fears. It is very normal for kids to be afraid at night especially between the ages of three and eight, when the imaginations are starting to really flourish. and But you know, an active imagination can be a good thing. An overactive imagination can sometimes be a detriment. So between that, in that time frame there, between three and eight, a lot of children will experience fear of the dark. They just have general bedtime anxiety. They're afraid about being away from you in their bedroom. They're afraid there could be something hiding in the closet. And the caretaker of the child, the parent, grandparent, guardian, auntie, babysitter, whoever is helping the child get back to sleep, they have a, a real opportunity to offer reassurance and nurturing and support through, well, through the tools I'm going to talk about and really can affect the child's ability to fall asleep in a very positive way and hopefully stay asleep throughout the night. That's the goal. Let them sleep all night so mom and dad can rest. I have two adult sons. I have a, and I can't believe it, I have a teenage grandson. My bean is now 14. And at some point in their lives, I've had to comfort all three of these young men. One of the benefits of being older, of course, is the wisdom of experience. So today I'm going to share with you how I've helped my own family, my own kids cope and overcome their nighttime fears. I'm going to share some ideas that are um, aromatic, that involve aromatherapy. And I'm going to share some ideas that are not aromatic, but they're just really good ideas and things that you may want to implement in a child's night nighttime routine. Number one, the first step is to identify the fear. Encourage your child to specify what exactly they're afraid of. Now, for little kids, this may be hard. They can't quite articulate themselves yet, can't quite articulate their emotions. But I've learned with the, even the even two-year-olds that if you're patient and calm and they know that you're really listening, they can usually identify what's making them feel afraid and they can make you understand that. So identifying and calling out of fears, I think, is the first step to taming it. 
I personally have struggled with anxiety my whole life. I have been very transparent about that in um, everything I do, actually. I don't think that there's any shame in it. It is simply the way that I'm wired. And one of the best coping tools that I've learned in cognitive behavior therapy, which has been incredibly powerful for me, one of the tools I've learned is just name it. When I get start to get the feeling of fear or anxiety, I just call it out. I'm feeling anxiety. Oh, hello, anxiety. Thank you for trying to keep me safe. But I'm in no danger. So you can just go back into my primitive brain now. Thank you. I just kind of say, talk to it like that, or simply say, I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling scared. And sometimes just by shedding light on it, it can help to dissolve it. So if you can get your child to name what they're afraid of, that's a great step in getting over it. Try to ask them open-ended questions that will encourage them to talk what they're scared of. A, a closed-ended question is, are you scared? And they'll nod their head. Do you want to come sleep in my bed? They'll probably say yes. They'll nod their head yes. Those are uh, closed-ended questions where all they have to do is nod or just say yes or no. When you ask an open-ended question, it will encourage them to talk about what they're scared of. You can ask straight away, what are you scared of? What uh, what did you see? You know, how, who, where, when, what? Those are all great ways to start an open-ended question. And obviously, we don't ever make fun of our children, at least not in front of them. No matter how silly the fear might seem, you know, respect it. Respect with that the child is being open and honest with you and... If they say, I'm scared of my shoes, they're going to come out and walk. That's really a real fear to your child. So honor that. The second thing that I want to recommend is to make some kind of a protection spray with your child. Now, this is a, totally an aromatherapy suggestion. I did a whole blog post on a spray with a recipe. I'll talk about that in a second. Kids like tools. We all like tools. We like to have things that we can use to help us empower ourselves. So if you make a protection spray with your child, have it be like a project that you do together and that they can keep next to their bed to use when they feel scared, that's a wonderful gift to give them. Now, I want to say something about what it's called. Some of you want to make a monster spray, which is what I used to do. But, you know, when you know better, you do better. I used to believe when my kids were small that I was showing respect to my child by acknowledging that, yes, I see, yes, there there could be something scary in your closet. Well, I would say I know for a fact that scary nighttime creatures hate lavender. Let's make a monster spray with lavender because they hate that. If you Google monster spray, you will come up with pages and pages of recipes. And I even wrote a monster spray blog back in 2013 that I recently updated to call it a protection spray. I mean, fear is the actual monster, right? So that's what we want to destroy. Well, child experts are now discouraging monster sprays. According to Allison Ejidi, who is a certified pediatric sleep consultant, the problem with making a monster spray is that the whole concept validates the idea that monsters could actually be in the child's room. So you're making it real that there's something there. If you are talking to your child about using a monster spray, you're sending the message, hey, monsters do exist, and hey, guess what? Keep this spray because there could be one right here in your room. Even if you tell them monsters are not real, you're putting that into question 
when you give them a monster spray. Then they have no reason to believe that monsters aren't real because, well, heck, you're spraying for monsters. So, you know, I think it depends on the child. If your child resonates with that and they feel comfortable with it and you feel comfortable with it, I mean, it's your child. You need to do what is in alignment with who you are and how you raise your child. Now, personally, I prefer a more positive approach such as making a protection spray, a fear no more spray, Emma's sacred space spray. Wow, let's hope she doesn't lisp. Or Timmy's aromatic armor. Or Emma's safe in her room spray. Let them make up a name for it. The more the child gets involved with making the product, the more they own it and the more they own the power that the spray has. I also recommend that you let the child make the spray with as little help from you as possible. Obviously, you're going to use parameters to keep the child safe. You'll use safe oils. You'll be careful that they don't get it up their nose or in their eyes. And, you know, you'll supervise. Let them pick out a magical bottle and then you fill the bottle. I recommend using hydrosol, uh, lavender, hydrosol, geranium, hydrosol. The reason I said geranium just now is because it has quite an aromatic... It, Hydrosols can be very subtle. Geranium has quite a strong smell that's lovely. It's sort of rosy. Another good choice is sweetgrass hydrosol because sweetgrass has a beautiful history with the Native American culture and how they've used sweetgrass braids and burned them for protection and to bring in positive energy. And you can talk about that with your child, order it together when it comes in, uh, you know, make the blend and you don't need anything else. I mean, honest to Pete, you could put lemon juice in your <laughs> in your bottle. It's the uh, importance that's attached to it. But we like to teach our children about aromatics and hydrosols and so forth. So let's see. I, uh, the other one I thought of was frankincense. Again, because, well, I mean, these are all calming sprays, but frankincense hydrosol has a beautiful aroma and... The history behind the resin of frankincense is interesting. And these are all sort of little projects you can do together with your child. The other reason why I recommend using hydrosol instead of essential oil in a, and I'm talking like a little one ounce spray bottle in, in a plastic bottle because it's easy. It's not too heavy. Their little hands can manage it. Uh, the reason why I mentioned hydrosols is because they are safe. So if the child gets the notion in the middle of the night as children do to spray their face or to to taste it, it it's all fine with hydrosols completely safe provided it is a fresh hydrosol they have about a year shelf life and you don't want anything you don't want any microbiological blah, issues so just get a nice clean fresh hydrosol Another hydrosol that I want to mention, I mean, I could just talk about hydrosols that are great for kids in this podcast. And then we wouldn't get to our topic, would we? I want to talk about neroli because it's a kind of a more costly hydrosol, just the way neroli is a more costly absolute or essential oil. It comes from the orange blossom, citrus aurantium, the orange blossom of the citrus aurantium tree. And it is gorgeous. It smells really good. Kids tend to love things that are orangey. They love orange essential oil. And I think that a child would really enjoy neroli hydrosol. It's quite sweet, but it also has properties that are very comforting and very anti-anxiety and relaxing. 
So even if you're paying a little more for the hydrosol, it really is worth it. And you don't have to buy them in large quantities. You can buy lots of different ones and have the child learn to experience different hydrosols and see which ones resonate with their little noses. All right, so now you have a spray bottle with your hydrosol. You and the child can use it in a lot of different ways. Of course, they can keep it by their bed and spray just in general when they feel scared, just as something to do as an activity, being proactive toward dispelling the fear. They can uh, just spray before bed, maybe spray their covers, and then that's that may be enough. They might also want to go around their bedroom and spray corners and areas where they feel afraid. I talk about that because i that's what uh, the experience I had with my grandson when he was, gosh, he was not so young. He was maybe 10. Yeah, I think he was 10 or 11. He started telling me that he was afraid in his bedroom at night and there was one corner that made him feel scared, that he felt like there was something in that corner. And I am never one to dispel these kind of beliefs that kids have because for all I know, there's something there. Children are very perceptive. Uh, And if there's nothing there, regardless, they're there in their heads. So we, again, we honor that. So we sprayed that corner and said, uh, I think we said a prayer or we said something about um, this area is now free of anything that's harmful. You can talk to the child and ask them the words that they think that would be good for them to say to get rid of any presence they feel is there. Or if you don't want to get that dark, just simply say, you know, I'm protected now. My room is a beautiful, safe space, and I'm going to have a good night's sleep. Just put in that kind of a positive message. All right. Suggestion number three probably won't come as a big surprise. Create a calming nasal inhaler with your child. Again, create a tool together that the child can use to empower themselves to learn to self-regulate their emotions. That is another wonderful aspect of this whole exercise, is teaching children that when they have emotions or feelings that they don't understand and overpower them, to start to take a little control and teach them how to regulate themselves. That will come in handy for the rest of their life. Okay, the nasal inhaler has a little more aromatic oomph, a little more power uh, than with hydrosols because you've got essential oils that are more concentrated and they're higher in chemical components that can also soothe and relax the central nervous system. My friend has a daughter named Hayden. Hayden is a very highly sensitive child with a wonderfully active mind. Hayden is 14 now. When she was 10, she went through a phase of just having a really hard time falling asleep. She just couldn't relax in the evening. School was bothering her. She had some personal issues at school and was just full of anxiety and having a really hard time relaxing at night. She always wanted to be in her parents' bedroom. And the parents didn't want to encourage that. They wanted to teach her to depend on herself to get herself back to sleep, especially at the age of 10. So her mom came to me and asked if I had any aromatic magic (laughs) wizardry that would help Hayden sleep. So Hayden came over to my house. I adore her. She calls me Nana Liz. We sat down and I pulled out a bunch of oils that I thought would be, she might like, oils that I knew would, would be calming for the central nervous system. Let her sniff through them all and she found three or four that she really liked. And then I had her put the drops on the cotton wick in the bowl and make her own blend and she gave it a name and took it home. 
Hayden's mom said it really helped when Hayden would come into their bedroom at night and say, can I sleep with you or come sleep with me? And now her mom said, sweetheart, you have your blend and we have a prayer that we put with the blend. I don't know what that was. That was between them. Why don't you go back to your bed, take your inhaler, breathe it in, say your prayer and breathe very deeply. And pretty soon you'll be asleep. Hayden's mom said at first she grumbled because obviously she wants to stay with mom and dad, but she knew she had a tool and she knew she had to try and went back to her bedroom. And her mom said she didn't see her the rest of the night. She went to sleep. After that, Hayden started to just use the tool, just started to use the nasal inhaler as part of her nightly routine. So that was a very great success story of a little case study, if you will, of using a nasal inhaler for kids with nighttime fears or who just don't want to go to sleep. If you do this exercise with a small child, I recommend, and by small, I mean probably five and under, don't give them more than three essential oils to choose from because they'll get overwhelmed or confused. You can even pull out three and say you can pick two or or pick out, pull out two and say, which one do you prefer? Give them very little to choose from because they'll get sensory overload, especially if it's already a sensitive child. And then have them give it a name. Sonia's Sleepy Inhaler. Danny's Deep Sleep Blend. That's half the fun is, is naming the blend. Okay, tip number four, rearrange the bedroom. This is not necessarily an aromatherapy suggestion. Your child's bedroom should be their sacred space, a place where they can go and just be themselves, shut down and restore, just like our bedroom is meant to be that place as well. I did an episode of of this podcast, episode number 16, was using essential oils to create a sacred space. You might want to go back and listen to that episode just in this context. In that episode, I defined a sacred space as any area that's designated for restoring your soul, for experiencing your connection to the divine, for experiencing your connection to yourself. It can be a place where you pray, where you meditate, where you sit quietly and read, anything that's going to restore you. I realize that rearranging a bedroom is not going to be applicable for everyone. It's not even going to be possible. But sometimes just moving the furniture around so that the bed is in a different direction. Humans tend to feel more vulnerable when they can't see the door from their bedroom. I mean, from their bed. So imagine you're laying in bed, your head's on the pillow, and you can't see the door. You don't know who's coming in. And it's I think it's very creepy. I would want to lay where I can see the bedroom door. So if your child's bed is placed in a way that they can't see the door while they're laying there, I would recommend moving it around. It just, it's a more powerful position. Number five, offer a transitional object. And if it's aromatic, it's even better. So if your child has a hard time separating from you, try a little transitional object. It's some item that helps your child feel comforted. It helps them feel like part of you is still present even when you're not there. It can be something that you wear, but I like the idea of a stuffed animal that's got an aromatic doohickey, that's an official word, inside of it. For example, plant therapy has a really nice selection of cuddly animals called aromatic plushes. They have a bear and bunny and a fox. 
I would avoid purchasing anything that is pre-scented because bleh, it could be synthetic, it could be stinky. I prefer something where you are in control of the scent that goes inside of it, and especially if you can change or wash the aromatic vehicle that's inside this little animal. What is that? What am I trying to say? The aromatic, the pouch or the cartridge that comes with the animal. Bean had one. My grandson loved it. It was a bunny. He loved his lavender bunny. Let's see. Number six, read a book with characters that are afraid of the dark. Sometimes it helps kids to know they're not the only ones who get scared. There's a terrific website called readbrightly.com with recommendations for books for kids. And they have one page in particular. It's uh, got a list of 12 books to help kids who are scared of the dark. I'll put a link to that page in the show notes. There are loads more ideas I have rubbing your child's feet with aromatic lotion, you know, unscented lotion with essential oils in it, giving them a little back rub, basically things that make them feel secure enough to fall asleep. Yoga, eating something like oatmeal, high carb food. There are lots and lots of ways. And I'm sure that you guys have ideas I haven't even thought of. If you have any you'd like to share with me, please write to me on the contact page of my website, aromaticwisdominstitute.com forward slash contact. I sure hope that list is helpful. If there's even one tip or recommendation that can help your child feel safe and secure so that they can rest and you can rest, then I'm so happy. Do let me know if you try any of these and they work. Now it's time for that little segment that we all know and love called Smell My Life. I had an email from a listener that I loved so much. This gentleman named Brad, who is an aromatherapy student, studying aromatherapy, listening to my podcast, learning a lot, said he loves the Smell My Life segment, but he preferred it when I had the little children saying, ah. So in honor of Brad, and in honor of this episode, which is about children, I returned to the ah sound. So now I ask you, my listeners, which do you prefer? Do you like the kids saying ah? Ah! Or did you like the little bit of pizzicato music? I truly cannot wait to hear your responses. Okay, so here's my sad, sad story this week of how I used essential oils in my life. As I've mentioned probably a thousand times already on this podcast, I like to clean with essential oils. And I'll often just open a bottle I'll pour a little bit onto a wet rag and I'll wash my floors. Obviously, I have hard floors. In a lot of my living area, I have tile floors. So essential oils are great. I, that's one way I use up older ones. Uh, sometimes I'll just add a little bit with vinegar, and but throw it on a rag, wash the floors. Very easy. I recently cleaned my floors with lemongrass essential oil because it kills all kinds of critters, bacteria, and it smells really good. I opened the bottle of, of uh, lemongrass, set the top down on my coffee table, walked off with the bottle, used it, washed the floors. I came back probably 20 minutes, maybe half an hour later, picked up the lid to put it back on my bottle of lemongrass, and I saw that it had left a ring on my table. So if you can imagine, I took the lid and set it down where the opening of the lid was 
against the table. So whatever essential oil was left inside that lid, which wasn't much, ate into the surface of my table and made an impression of a ring right on the top of the table, right through the varnish and the stain and everything. I took a picture and I've put it in the show notes so you can see it. I was not happy. I will say to my credit, (laughs) over the years, I've tried to lessen my attachment to material things. I'm really not very attached to my furniture and things like that anymore. I've been downsizing and getting rid of things. But this table had a particular history in that it was a very, very high-end piece of furniture that my husband brought home as a surprise because as a person who works in construction, he's very often given things that they're getting rid of. So he came, there was a bar one time that was getting rid of a TV and he brought it home. This was a very beautiful library with some beautiful furniture that were giving the things away. So he brought the coffee table home. Didn't really need a new coffee table, but it was so much nicer than the one we had. And I said, absolutely. So I was sorry that it was damaged now because it was pristine before that. And now here it's got this ugly mark on, you know, this sort of pock mark on it. I processed it out in about five minutes and thought, fine, one day somebody will have this table. They will love it. They'll they'll scrub it out. What's it called? We'll sand it out and it'll be fine. And I let it go. It was a great teaching moment. I can tell you, be mindful of how you're using essential oils on furniture, on skin, in your body, on your body. And finally, the last segment that I'm doing now on each podcast episode is called Ask Liz. Hmm, do I need a little segue music for this as well? In the Ask Liz segment, I answer a question that's been sent to me by a listener. Or sometimes it's a student. I get questions all the time. I have a hydrosol group. I have a Facebook group. I have an email address. So I get questions all over the place and I love answering them. This week, I'm going to answer the question that was sent again by Brad, and it was a really good question. So first, stepping back for a minute, in episode 47 of this podcast, I talked about essential oils for sinus headaches, and I I listed five just to kind of keep it manageable within the episode. There are a lot more essential oils that are good for sinus headaches, and Brad wrote and said that he has a friend who gets really, really bad sinus headaches, almost crippling, and was asking, and it didn't have any black spruce, which was one of the ones I recommended, and was basically asking for other oils that I could recommend, and at what dosage. And so I turned around and asked Brad a bunch of my own questions. I would hope that those of you who are using essential oils, who are in practice, I would hope that as people are coming to you asking you to help them, that you ask them questions because you'll find the more proficient you become in, as an aromatherapy practitioner, the more people will come to you and say, what, uh, would, what oil is good for depression? What oil is good for sleep? What's good for anxiety? And I really feel that you can't just give an answer, boom, you have to ask questions first. So when Brad wrote to me with this question about his friend and extreme sinus headaches and what other oils, these were the questions I asked. I said, Brad, why does she get sinus headaches? 
Do you know for sure that they're in fact sinus-related and not something else? Could they be migraines? Could they be related to hormones or stress? Has she seen a doctor and received a clear diagnosis? That was the, those are the first questions I started with because the more feedback I could get from him, the better I could help his friend. I also ask what makes her feel better? If it's heat, then you want warming oils. And if it's cold, then the cooling oils. So I also said, you know, he hadn't asked me about, he hadn't indicated to me about his training, what other oils he had and so forth. So this just sort of began a conversation between Brad and myself. And he wrote back and he answered my questions and we had a bit of a dialogue and I will, I will tell you what I, what I shared with him then. But I would like to see you having this kind of a conversation with anyone who comes to you and says, help me. In order to help them, they're going to have to give you some information. So the short answer of what I said to Brad, what other essential oils I suggested were frankincense, which actually is very good for head pain. It's quite effective if you rub it around the temples and the back of the neck. So I said frankincense, ravent, sarah, hemlock, bay laurel. Those are other essential oils that I've had success with specifically with sinus headaches. And often, just trauma oil rubbed on the forehead temples and the back of the neck can help with pain relief. Trauma oil is remarkable. I will put a link to a blog post I wrote about trauma oil, what it is, and that'll be in the show notes. The other thing I just realized, Brad, I don't think I gave you the dilution. (laughs) I would say for a headache, again, so hard to give an answer when I don't know the person, but if someone has an extreme sinus headache, I would go ahead and use a strong dilution, like 5% for a very short period of time. And if there's still no relief, honestly, at some point you you need to see a physician and, and see what's going on because... There could be infection. There could be something else going on. So I sure hope that was helpful, Brad. (laughs) And I do hope that this was helpful to you, the rest of you, my listeners. Write to me if you have any questions. I'll do my best to answer them. And that's it for episode 50 of the Aromatic Wisdom Podcast. This was a chock-full episode. And thank you so much for sticking around if you're still listening I adore every one of you listeners, people who tune in, who share with me, who don't share with me. I just really appreciate you. I can see how many downloads that I'm getting per episode. It's pretty remarkable. Thank you. That's all I can say is just thank you from the bottom of my heart. Don't forget, you can buy me a coffee if you feel moved to do so. Until next time, be happy, be well.